welcome to the Dojo Talk Podcast. Please remove them shoes before entry. Say Master is here and you still have not taken off your shoes. Welcome to another edition of the Dojo Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Serio Sensei. We are on episode 22, and as always, I'm joined with my co-host, Antaku. What's going on, man? All of North Jersey is underwater. Aquaman's coming. <laughs> I was going to say I'm a merman now, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, you can be both. <laughs> But yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I'm here in Maryland, and we're we're not underwater, but it rained a whole lot. But luckily, the sun kind of, sort of came out, but then went away again. Um, but yeah, other than that, life is pretty good. Real quick before we get started, I promised that I would make a Twitter like three episodes ago. I kind of lied. It took me a little after, but I did make one. So I am on Twitter at Serial Sensei. So you can follow me and such and such. Um, so today, no MMA, well, no MMA fights in the Pacific. I mean, they're happening somewhere. Just Yeah, yeah. Somewhere on Earth. If we were putting, you know, Victory Fight Challenge review in the title, (laughs) I don't think I would click. Right. (laughs) So somewhere, somebody's fighting. I I mean, I don't know. Maybe, Maybe we have some Combate America fans out there and, like, we just don't know it. We gotta try. (laughs) <laughs> I have to try one day see if we get well, one click one, one day just like every single fight <laughs> yeah, maybe they'll hit us up for like, like thanks for actually like talking about us hey, find them on twitter and we'll do it and we'll tag them <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for it <laughs> but uh we're, we'll, we will have MMA talk there's not too many fights in specific um but I think this episode is going to be pretty fun. Uh going to be a little, probably a little all over the place, but I think that's a good thing. Change change things up a bit. Uh, so first uh, topic to tackle. Um, boxing, I guess you can say, continues a good streak of some really good fights. 2017 has been solid as fuck. Yeah, and... So I was, I was a little angry. I, I didn't know that this fight took place so early in the day so i didn't get a chance to watch it in real time um, yeah had to read play by play while i was at work and i was pretty hurt that I, I wasn't watching this in real time but uh i watched the first eight rounds on periscope because i was driving home from work <laughs> literally racing and like swerving between cars trying to get in front of the tv and i was just sitting at my work computer just angry <laughs> like, I knew I was missing something good. Uh, so for people who don't know if you're living under a rock or maybe you just don't watch boxing, uh, Anthony Joshua and Vladimir Klitschko uh, had a fight this, this past weekend. And I, I guess in short, this fight was awesome. Like, <laughs> this fight was 
the this fight was, was the best heavyweight fight of the 21st century. I mean, it's only like 17 years, but still. Yeah, I was going to say, like, by far, easily the best heavyweight fight I've seen <laughs> in a long, long, <laughs> long time. And considering just, like, everything that was, that was going on with this fight, like, the narrative of, like, the young guy, the young, unproven talent who's already a superstar going up against the guy who reigned for, like, 11 years and fighting in front of the biggest post-World War II audience for boxing in the history of the sport, like, yeah, it's going to be fight of the year. Right. Yeah, this... When it first started, to be honest, because I, I, you, you watch boxing a lot more than I do, mm-hmm. so I'd actually never seen Joshua fight much before. I think I've seen, like, a few highlights, but never, like, an entire fight. I think I've seen maybe a couple of Klitschko fights. If you've if you seen Joshua knock somebody out, you've seen one of his fights before because they normally... Especially early on, they were going like one, two rounds. All right, so he he's a flatliner. He just <laughs> basically like he he hurts people. He, he's yeah. a big, athletic, fast man who hurts people. He he definitely <laughs> he he carried that tradition. This fight just took a while for it to kind of materialize. But yeah, this fight was awesome. The the first couple of rounds, I feel like. Joshua was pretty... The first round was definitely a feel-out round. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like probably the second and third, it, it kind of... Joshua, to me, was just winning based on just kind of volume. Like, it just felt like Klitschko couldn't really... He had good uh, like, footwork, but he wasn't really getting a lot off. See, I, like especially in the second round, I think Klitschko was getting off more with the jab. Because he was really... like. You were you could really tell like he that um AJ was getting like frustrated with Klitschko just putting it in his face, mm-hmm. but in the third round like you saw like hit um Klitschko uh, not Klitschko Joshua like switch it up, cause um every time jo- uh Klitschko would uh sh- not Klitschko every time Joshua would show the jab Klitschko would duck out of range, as opposed to try to you know follow the head. He'd throw the right hand right underneath the uh, lead arm of Klitschko, who would stick it out, who would use it to bridge out. So like that, and that's something he stuck with the basically the entire fight, where he was going to the body. Like at one point, they show the graphic on the, um, I guess on the German uh, broadcast of the fight, because that's the one I watched the first time. Because hmm. that's the one, uh, that's the one I found the best quality. It was like seven twenty or something, and. Um, it was like twenty-two to one at one point, and I think it was like the sixth round, sixth or seventh round, and it was, it was pretty clear that Klitschko wasn't comfortable throwing to the body, but that was all Josh. That was primarily what Joshua was, you know, setting up to do. And uh, Joshua had the best success when he didn't jab. Like he was he using did, that hook a lot. Yeah, the hook. That, uh, that left, yeah, that left but, hook was but, was money. Like people were talking about the upper class of fight, but the hook was the one that where all his offense got off. Like when Joshua didn't care about uh, Klitschko and just kind of went after him, like he had his best moments in the fight by far. Which I think was the first knockdown was that round. I think it was round five. It was like five or six was five. Like the first. Was five. Yeah, was the the first knockdown. And 
I almost thought it was gonna be over with. <laughs> I almost thought it was gonna be over with then. Yeah, Joshua, that's that's a scary. It's a big dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, this is the heaviest he came in because I think he started his career around two twenty. Now he's at like two fifty. Yeah, he and he's a he's a solid like. Yeah, no, like. <laughs> yeah, superhero built two fifty. Like he's freaking. I said he's Vince McMahon's wet dream. <laughs> like, good God, he he's just a straight up action figure. Pretty much. I gotta give Klitschko a lot of credit though, because after that first knockdown, like I, I feel like he fairly, like he recovers pretty good. Oh yeah. For, yeah, for as heavy as the hits that he took, especially in that fifth, and he still maintained his footwork. Like he didn't, he didn't look lost or anything. And then was it the very next round he he caught Joshua with the one two? Yep. I think it was a left right, and then yeah he dropped. Well, that's the thing. Like one of the things um, Klitschko was doing in this fight which Joshua wasn't, and I don't think Joshua would prepare for, but it's it's a really simple thing. He'd show the jab, he'd show the jab, he'd show the jab, and he'd threaten with the hook if Joshua tried to close distance. But sometimes he'd use the jab, and instead of just, you know, trying to circle out or whatever, he'd just wrap it, or he'd just grab Joshua's lead wrist and fire the uh, the, um, the cross right down, right afterwards. And that's the that's what caused the, uh, that knockdown in the sixth round for Klitschko. That was Where, mean. That was a nasty. Yeah, no, that that might be the freaking hardest punch he's ever landed. And the the crazy thing is that all started immediately after he got knocked down in the fifth round. Right. Where like it just it it just seemed pretty clear that uh that um he wasn't as badly hurt as we thought he was because like almost immediately he just like gets off on Joshua and Joshua. At one point, I thought that ref was going to give Joshua like a standing eight in the corner, because his leg—you can just see his legs just completely lock up underneath him as Klitschko's unlit, like unfurling on him, uh, on the ropes, and like he, and he looks up like he's lost and doesn't know where he is, and this is like a minute and a half after he not after Joshua knocks Klitschko down. Right. Yeah, I was gonna say because even towards the end of the fifth. Like you could tell, Klitschko but, was starting to get back was, into it. Yeah, that wasn't a t- that, that, that that if it had just played out evenly, it would have been a ten eight round for Joshua. No, it ended being a ten nine round for like Joshua instead right. of ten eight. And, and then Klitschko got the ten eight and the six because he was wa- he was wailing on them. Right. Yeah, he was unloading, and he was really like really technical with his yeah. strikes, like not wasting a lot of oh, throws. This was the best Klitschko has looked technically and physically in a very long time like because he's kind of gotten away with you know the jab and clutch and his last fight with Tyson Fury he kind of just looked like a punching bag for like 11 and a half rounds before he was like oh crap I'm about to lose my title (laughs) in the 12th and just kind of tried to unload on him and even that didn't work but um like he was moved this is the best he's probably ever moved like in terms of just like being quick on his feet and like getting out of the way and there's always been this weird thing with like boxing fans where like they question the toughness of the Klitschko's. I- I've never understood it myself, because you know. But um, like seeing him get up at 41 years old after eating Joshua's power in the fifth and the eleventh round was just like, right. no, this motherfucker's tough as shit. And it's not like he was 
afraid to engage or like oh, he, no. he he jumped right back into it like no it was almost like nothing even happened dude he when he ate he that uppercut he ate in the 11th round would have literally, would have literally <laughs> knocked out any other anybody yeah i've i've watched that sequence so many that uppercut was so vicious and and that's actually um another thing for joshua where he showed just like so much intelligence because like, uh right before that uppercut he threw the hook and Kushko ducked under it and Kushko had been doing that before in the fight like i guess uh, he noticed that um Kushko ducks under the hook so what he did instead of um you know immediately firing the uppercut he grab he kind of grabs her on the head and pushes it yeah down. yeah it was like a a half second almost like clinch almost it, yeah like he, like he just uh, like not enough that the ref will be like you can't do that but like enough to where Kuchko's not going to get out the way right away and then he hits him with that uppercut and like Kuchko immediately tries to make it seem like it didn't hurt by like uh you know moving side to side moving his head to side to side but like. Yeah, that's one of those things where like you're trying too hard, man. We know, we know it, right? <laughs> and like, if you watch that uppercut in slow motion, like Klitschko's arm movement, he almost he does like this hula hoop movement with like the force behind that uppercut was so. It looked like it knocked his shoulder out of the place. <laughs> right, like, it was so it hard. Was, it was scary. And then I think <laughs> what happened? Yeah, he he kind of backed him up after that, and then he caught him. I can't remember if it was an overhand right. He caught him with. Something that kind of landed almost like behind his head, almost, and he knocked him down. And then and he stood up, right? Stood right up. back up. But you could also immediately tell he was hurt because he tried. Uh, like instead of walking to the referee, he tries to walk towards Joshua, and the ref has to corral him back. <laughs> and then yeah, Joshua just and then, yeah. Then Joshua got put got him up against the ropes, landed an um what was it an uppercut hook that oh my god. It, it looked like Klitschko had died for, like, a good second. It seemed like to me in the latter half of the fight, like, around, like, 6 and 7 when Klitschko was kind of gaining ground, I, I feel like Joshua might have took, like, maybe a round or two off because it seemed like uh, he was a little he's a little tired. He 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 was, like, dead tired in yeah. the sixth round. He came out in the seventh. I think he threw, like, maybe 10 punches that whole round. Um, he looked a little better in the eighth. And by the uh, or by the, the end of the ninth, tenth round, he was back in the fight. Right. Yeah. Which, which, by the way, is super impressive considering the man has never fought past like the seventh round before. Right. And managed to catch a a really good second wind. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that's some that's that's some stuff that only happens when you're young, man. Right. <laughs> and how many times did he knock him down in the last? Was it three? He knocked him he, down twice, and then the ref stepped in on the last one. I was like, no, on the third man. one, yeah. Like, he, we don't need to see you on the ground again. Yeah, because yeah, he got it was the uppercut, and then he got knocked down after that, and then he got right back up and caught another flurry. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and that, went right back down. Dude, that uppercut hook that he landed for the third, uh, his third knockdown, I think it was. Yeah. Oh my god, it was so beautiful. And then Klitschko tried again, and the the ref had to stop stepping. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. But so, it it was great, 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 great finish. And, and shouts to Joshua who had like the perfect post fight speech. That might have been one of the classiest. <laughs> He's a, he just showed Klitschko so much respect and reverence. Shout out all the legends who were ringside. 
gave a shout out to Tyson Fury. It was like, you want to come? You want to fight? Let's do this, brother. Um, they thanked his staff. It was just like I, I his whole thing was, I, I hope this fight inspires the kid to be better than me. The kids out there to go up on the gloves and be better than me. And after a decade of having like, you know, Floyd Mayweather as the face of boxing, it's kind of refreshing to have Anthony Joshua there, who just really seems to love the sport. Right. Yeah. He he's kind of like the complete polar opposite in terms of just like attitude and. Yeah, yeah. it's fun. It's funny because you can see like all the racist UK people. Who who you just want him to be such a like terrible human being so badly? <laughs> uh, he, he's a stand-up guy, <laughs> uh, like, a, a his, true gentleman. His life story is great because like he's a he's the son of like Nigerian immigrants. Uh, he got what was it? he got arrested for like selling weed. That was a huge thing going into like go with his like thing. Like people who hate him like talk about that a lot. Like oh he's so weed he's he's like this worst human being to ever walk the planet Earth. Yeah, I'm like okay, obviously Britain has some very different connotations of like what a bad person is. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah. He got he got shit for going to like a mosque. Like I he's not Muslim but I think he was there like with like a friend or like one of his brothers. It was just. Uh, people just pick straws just to. Yeah, this yeah. just I guess that's just more like where the UK is at right now. Well, yeah, a lot of the West, but whatever. Besides yeah. the point, um, no, like that that was just an all around amazing night for boxing. Uh, that's may, maybe not Rumble in the Jungle or whatever, but or um, you know, one of those types of deals. But that that's an iconic. That's an iconic night that people will talk about 20, 30, 40 years from now. Right. You're talking about all-time boxing moments. And it was even crazy because even on like on my Facebook news feed, I normally don't see that many people hype for like a boxing fight. But yeah. when that KO happened, everybody on my news feed, or, or they were either talking about the KO or that uppercut. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> that was just like... The, um... <laughs> Like almost, uh, God, almost like a half hour after the fight, like ESPN was on, I, I tuned in and they were showing like highlights of the fight. I, I was like, oh my God, like, they never show UK fights. Right. Yeah. This it was a big deal, and hope you hope that they can, you know, maybe we'll get another big fight like that. Hopefully, that Deont- momentum can kind of keep Dude. rolling. Yeah, Deontay Wilder. Yeah, that Deontay has to Wilder. Happen. Um, if Tyson Fury can get his life together, that'd be a great fight for the UK. Like, I can't imagine like a bigger fight. Um, King Kong, King Kong, Luis Ortiz, Joshua Parker might be a little bit on the dull side for like, but uh, for people who come to heavyweight and expect like these big dudes to just slobber, like you know, to throw slobber knockers at one another. Hmm. But um, that that'd be a good fight. Um, who else was? I'm gonna throw a name out there, uh, Eric Perez, who fought Joshua Parker for heavyweight title. And if he was in a little bit, a little bit better shape, would probably be Mexico's first male heavyweight champion. Because he's kind of just like a, he's kind of a Roy Nelson body type. Hmm. 
but uh, he, he's undoubtedly skilled. You know what I mean? He, and he's right. really fast. Like you would not expect him to be that fast if you saw a picture of him. Like, there are fights out there for jo- uh, for Joshua, and um, like I'm... there's no excuse for him not to uh, to not have you know big fights ahead of him. Right. Like oh. I think he I think his mandatory for his IBF is um is I, is his IBF? I think so. Is um. Pulev, who's this he- uh, heavyweight out of Russia, is pretty good. Like, re- like pr- pretty good. He's better than anybody um, like Deontay Wilder has beat. But um, yeah, no, there's there's stuff out there for him if he really wants it. it, it he seems like the type that really wants it. You know, 19 yeah. fights, 19 KOs. The first chance, opportunity you get to fight a guy like Vladimir Klitschko, you take it and you beat him. Right. <clears throat> That's another thing. He 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 carries himself like a champion. Like, he carries himself like he was built for this. Like, I, I, I love it when guys, like, celebrate, and, like, especially in MMA where they like, jump the cage and they go out and they hug their mom and their girlfriend and stuff like that. Right. But, like, the, you saw what happened when, like, the ref stopped the fight, right? He, he just kind of, like, like, no... He did this really calm strut, like... No, yeah, <laughs> he did it after every round. Like, that's just, like, that's how he carries himself. He carries himself like a champion. Like, yeah. Oh, and the smirk he gave Klitschko when the ref stopped the fight, like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, he knew, like, he knew, like, this was going to happen. Like, 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 this was an eventuality for him. Right. And, and if you're his team, like, this could not have been a better night. He got pushed to, like, his limit... He showed that he had a second gas tank in him. Like, he showed that he could fight through adversity, and he showed he could carry his power deep into fights. Like, maybe for Eddie Hearn, if you're trying to push the narrative that oh, um, was it Hearn? Yeah, or yeah, Eddie Hearn. Um, if you're Eddie Hearn, you were like campaigning on this thing where oh, he's gonna knock him out in two rounds. He's gonna show he's the best heavyweight in the planet. Blah 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 blah. Like, maybe that's not maybe promotionally, it's not like the greatest thing. But if you're Joshua's team, that night could not have been any better. All right. Respect the uppercut. <laughs> Respect the uppercut. But yeah, that was that was an awesome back and forth fight. That, I, I would love to see him and Walder. Seen it? Go watch it. Right. Yeah. If you yeah, if you have not seen it, definitely, it will be the best heavyweight fight you've seen. In a probably long time. right in a very very long time probably since um the lewis vitali fight which was what was that probably about almost 15 years ago or something. Ugh, i don't know ugh. but yeah awesome awesome fight i hope he fights wilder next only because wilder's one of the only other heavyweights i've seen fight a couple of times he seems mildly entertaining <laughs> his fun personality so I feel like that fight could just be on an entertainment level. Uh, I, I would def. I feel like a lot of people would probably enjoy that. But yeah, whoever Anthony Joshua fights uh, next, I'm all in for it. Dude, and, dude's already a huge star in the UK, man. I hope he can make. <clears throat> I hope that crosses over. Yeah, he's gained I, a fan over here. That that uppercut. Like. <laughs> <laughs> How can you, you have to be a fan after the uppercut? Yeah. Like you and, and props to Klitschko though, man. Like oh, yeah, to be dude, wait, how old he is he? Forty. His, he's forty one and dragged himself off the mat three times. And not only dragged himself off the mat, he was probably 
he wasn't winning the fight on the judges' cards. Like the judge, I know, I know that for a fact. Like one judge had him up. I th- one judge had it either a draw or him up by like one round, and the other two had um, Joshua up by like two or four rounds or some crazy number like that. But I thought Klitschko was edging out the fight, especially after um, you know Joshua looked like he was just dead tired and just done. Right. But like coming back after getting knocked down in the fifth round like that, that that's huge. And yeah, if he if he want if he wants to, he, there's still a place for him in boxing. He he he's the third best heavyweight out there. I I think he wallops Deontay Wilder. Like I really <laughs> do. But I I can't imagine him having a better night against Joshua because Joshua's gonna Joshua's gonna grow from this fight, and I'm not sure if 41. Glad will, you know. But not, not a yeah. But I, not, I'm not against a rematch by any stretch of imagination. We'll see. Yeah, I, I hope he fights again though. He, I mean, I don't think after the fight he didn't give any hint to like retirement. Oh no, or, no, no. Do yeah. makes way too much money to not yeah. fight again. Like, he, <laughs> like the like Germany gives him like twenty million dollars to for the, the German television company gives him like twenty million dollars to freaking like. To um to air his fights like you you did you didn't, you didn't watch the German version of the bro, uh, broadcast right no so the German version I watched had every, every, between every round like I don't remember the name it was like Odier or something like that but you know on his um shorts he had a logo for uh, a French perfume com- uh, a German perfume company mm. and they had his ad running. Every single, <laughs> it wasn't like the same ad. It was like three or four or five different ones. So like, this man's getting paid. At forty-one, still, <laughs> still racking in them checks. And Josh was about, like, oh my god, Josh was got thirteen major sponsorships already. No, I'll say yeah. He hasn't he, touched he's foot to. in the U.S. yet. Like, all right. And I feel like. Over here, we've been, you know, like heavyweight used to be, that was the thing. Well, you know? yes and no. Like, we have this really rose-tinted view of, like, the past heavyweight divisions. Like, I'll give this, heavyweight's probably gotten older and a little rounder around the edges. The guys have gotten bigger. But there have been few moments in the past where, like, heavyweight was, like, a real deep division it, it, it was more popular but it wasn't really significantly deeper like have you ever heard of um what was the dude's name two ton joe or something like that <laughs> no that sounds like somebody i two need to look John, up though two ton tony galento two ton. and just look up it just look up an image of him Okay, hold up. We got a. Uh, all right, we got some Google coming up. <laughs> yeah. So that guy fought Joe Lewis. That guy who happens to be from Bergen County, New Jersey. That shouts. So shouts to him. Um, fought Joe Lewis for the heavyweight title back in like 1939 or something, and um, he knocked him down multiple times. Yeah, he knocked him down at least twice, I think. Oh my god! Yeah, for people listening, definitely <laughs> just go. 
Oh man, this is great. Yeah, Let's Google this guy. This is <laughs> this is some interesting footage. He's <laughs> built like like Popeye. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Like, like have you and mind you, this is back when like heavyweights were like barely barely any of them were cracking two hundred pounds. Man. Like imagine if like you had to fight um Vladimir Klitschko who's like seven feet tall and you're Joe Lewis who's like five ten, five right. eleven. He would have cleaned these dudes. <laughs> yeah, so like hell, freaking when Ali debuted, he was like a what, what 170 pounds or something like that? Oh, Joe's was like six two, never mind, but he was only two hundred fourteen pounds. And that's pro and that's without like proper dieting or whatever. Like that's back in like the forties and thirties where they were just like Okay, this is healthy, so eat it. All right. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, I'm going to have to look up, like, actually look at some of his fights, because they got some of them on YouTube. Yeah, go watch his, go watch him knock down Joe Lewis. Oh, man. One of the greatest offensive heavyweights of all time. <laughs> but, yeah, that uh, that fight is awesome if you if you haven't watched it. Do yourself a favor and, and go and watch the whole fight. Don't just watch the knockout. Like, go from round one all the way to 11. You will not be disappointed. Anyway, boxing um, back, y'all. All right. Boxing solid, man. Good good year. And we'll, we'll see what Canelo and company do tomorrow. <laughs> Can't wait to 2018 until we get all these boxer versus MMA fighter Maybe. boxing matches. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. They were talking about Stipe and uh, was it Stipe and JDS both willing to fight, <laughs> both yeah. willing to fight Joshua. And that that kind of gets into my uh, what we're, I want to talk about in a little bit, the state of the UFC and MMA and uh, and you know fuck Dana White. <laughs> you wanna you wanna roll into that first and save the Rushmore for last? Yeah, yeah. So, All right. um, yeah, it came out today or yesterday that JDS and Stipe Miocic uh, want to fight um, Anthony Joshua to determine who's the baddest man on the planet and what really happened is they looked at the they looked at you know the fact that Joshua made like 13 million dollars guaranteed that before any of his sponsors or the pay-per-view revenue or his percentage of the live gate kicked in which is reportedly about like bringing it somewhere near to like forty million dollars U.S. And they're like, "Oh, I want to fight that guy." So, and he's—they're not the only ones because you have Jose Aldo out here talking about, "Oh, I want to go do boxing." You have Jimmy Manuel calling out—he called, he called out David Hay. Yeah, my friend. Yeah, had told me that. I didn't know that was <laughs> like that was crazy to me. So, um, and this kind of goes into what I, I, I'm thinking, like, okay, these fighters are starting to realize that, uh, their pay scale might be a little bit bullshit. Oh, yeah. And that the real money to make is, might be somewhere else. And, um, we have one person who, uh, who is, you know, out here actually complaining, and that's Mr. Al Rajan Ayaquinta. <laughs> who earlier today tweeted, or wait, no, yesterday tweeted, to the UFC, cut me, you sissies. 
This is so for those who don't know, I, I Quintus has been on Twitter all week posing as Donald Trump. Basically, Donald Trump as the president of the UFC and has just been trolling the UFC and <laughs> any fighters who try to like him favor with the UFC, like Mike Perry, for trying to like go at him. And it's the most hilarious thing. Like, what would he say? Oh, um, Mike Perry called him out in a, a link that had Dana White in it. And he was like, Dana, let me clown this fool. And Dana didn't respond to that, but he responded to like an egg, like someone with like an egg Twitter. You know, like, um, oh, you just got Twitter. Like, egg Twitter is basically, you know, throwaway accounts and stuff or troll accounts. And I eloquence out, not missing a beat goes. Dana responds to egg Twitter, egg, egg avatars on Twitter, but not Mike Perry. Sad. Exclamation <laughs> point. And that's kind of say UFC, where people are realizing their worth. They want to leave, and they, no one's happy. Anderson Silva came out and said, I want to fight Yoel Romero for the interim middleweight title, or I, I'm not fighting anymore. Yoel Romero's fed up. Um, because he wants to fight for a title, and it just came out today with GSP tweeting Michael Bisman saying, "Oh, you could pick a date, but it has to be after October. It's May. October is four months, five months away. Yeah, that's <laughs> a whole another season, a whole season away. Like we are in." Strange times in the UFC because Ronda's gone. Dana White said, I'm not worried about Connor retiring after the Mayweather fight. But let's let's be honest. If Connor if Connor goes and does the Mayweather fight and he gets paid like a hundred million dollars, you think he wants to come back to fight Khabib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson for like a fifth of that? Right. <laughs> if yeah, I'm, at, I'm I'm on Iquinta's Twitter now. This is uh yeah, it's a lot of entertainment. Um, GSP's back, but like he said, he's not back till October. I mean, November earliest. And um, I don't know if you saw that video of him working out, but um, he he, he might be a little round in the stomach. He's not in fighting shape. It's pretty obvious. And uh. So there's no GSP for at least another five months. There's no Conor McGregor until this Mayweather fight comes together. There's no Ronda if, Rousey if. if this if this fight comes together. There's no Ronda Rousey. There is no Anderson Silva might be leaving soon enough if they don't give him what he wants. So um, we just uh, like what's left. None, oh, not to mention, none of these fighters are happy because they're looking around and realizing the company just sold for $4.2 billion. Guys are getting cut <laughs> left and right. Yeah, and we're not over. seeing any, any of that $4.2 billion. They're, they're not... Yeah, we're not seeing a, any of that. There are reports on like MMA Junkie saying that, oh, we can save costs from... like Reports from WME saying we can save costs by cutting fighter pay. 
or fight like cutting fighter um salaries or whatever like we're, and that's why they've lost like a hundred people this year so far so like no one's happy people aren't being promoted there's no direction in, like meritocracy was always the direction when the Fertitas and Joe Silva were around and it kind of just feels like there's without that what the hell are all these dudes doing like, I think the worst thing is like there's so there's so much talent there like everything is there and but... here's the thing like the only people who seem to have any passion for any of this anymore is Mick Maynard and Sean Shelby and it shows in their work because they're booking like fantastic fights but everything else feels flat as fuck and it sucks for them because they'll they'll book a great fight but the result of that great fight almost like nowadays it doesn't it doesn't bear it anything. <laughs> yeah it doesn't hold any kind of weight because you just don't know title shots are just title shots don't mean anything that, yeah. the UFC promotes I, I love them but the UFC promotes Sage Northcutt and like Paige Van Zandt who oh god we can I forgot to I forgot all about Paige Van Zandt and her like LSG driven cam girl style Reebok advertisement did you see this? No. Uh, <laughs> so, is it a commercial or? I, I think Paige Van Zandt might have a history as a cam girl, because <laughs> she's a little too good at it. <laughs> but she tw- she tweeted a video of her wearing Reebok gear and like trying to advertise it, and um, seemed pretty clear she she might be on something. Yeah. Also, it, it, it was a little um, risque in tone. Maybe not in content, but in tone. But beside the point, like we see these pe- UFC tries to market these people, they they fa- they fall flat on their face. Like, what? What are the goal? Like, what's the end goal? What? Like, what's the vision? What's the what's the roadmap? Like, I think they're just they, they, exactly. They're just kind of they're lost in the wind. They don't know what they're doing. Like. I think I think it's all right. We're, we're gonna put all our eggs in this one basket. Oh, that basket broke. Okay, we're gonna throw them in another basket. Oh, that basket broke. Okay, now we gotta like. And then <laughs> it's kind of like this hot potato thing. Yeah. And then we have Nick and Nate, who are just, who just realized that oh, there are no stars in this sport anymore. So let's just sit on our hands for a while, and then the UFC will give us whatever they want because they're going to be desperate. And this is where we get... Did you see um, Nate's interview on Ariel Hawani? I was going to say, I didn't see the interview, but I wanted to get to Nate because of the tweet that you had had posted. Um, right. Oh, about Dana? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And this is let's why let's I get say, to that. Oh, Dana White. Let's get to that tweet. Because <laughs> that... You know, I, 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 I will put up with Dana White saying, oh, this is the greatest fight ever for like... um. I don't know. Swanson Golbov. Right, him just trying to be a hype man. Because that's your job. You have to make... Sometimes, as a promoter, you gotta make gold out of shit. Right. You know what I mean? You gotta make it sparkle. But, for the past... For the past, like, what, five months? Like, Dana White hasn't been a promoter. 
Like at this point, he, he is actively attacking his own fighters. They are your wares. Like you are trying to sell these people to people, and like I don't know if you watch wrestling, but it's like Stephanie McMahon, like freaking um, emasculating all their top stars and saying, "Oh, this is how we're going to get them over." You, you know how you know how we get um. Roman Reigns over, we have Stephanie McMahon slap him in the face and then he takes it and then nobody sees him again for the rest of the episode. People don't want that. Like, how are you going to say that the the B-side to your two biggest pay-per-views ever is a nobody? Then people don't care about him. Like, you ran a show in New York with your biggest star and it still didn't do it what the the Diaz fights did. Right. And those fight and those car and those cards only had one title fight between them. While the New York one had three and was in New York. The media center of the world. And just to run the quote cuz I, I clicked on the article just so I could get the the whole quote. So Dana says, and I quote I mean, listen, at the end of the day, what is Diaz, referring to Nate, without Conor McGregor? <laughs> I don't know. The kid isn't in a position uh, for pay-per-view or any, type of that, or any type of that stuff, but this could put him in a position, if he fought Tony Ferguson, it would be for the interim belt. And then he goes on to say a bunch of other whatever, whatever. But it's like... Fuck you, Dana. Right. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Like, yeah, hypothetically I, I, speaking, I don't care how angry you are, the Diaz's for not wanting to fight for you know less than what they think they're worth. I, I I don't care that you don't think these guys will sell. You don't go to your fan base and be like, no, these guys aren't important, but they should fight for the Aaron Bell, and people might care then. Like fuck you. Yeah, I'm gonna say it, and and even and we've seen it plenty of times, you know. Like, you get in the supposed. He did this with Woodley too, right? And it just makes people feel stupid for being committed. It's like he he could go out and fight Tony, and hypothetically speaking, he could blast Tony, and he's still title. It's just, it's not going to be guaranteed. Like it's yeah, it's it's so just. I feel like everybody's just running around in separate directions, but there's no. It's like a football team with no coach. And, and, <laughs> like... and then you compare this to, say, Bellator, where you have guys like Ryan Bader and Roy McDonald and Phil Davis being like, oh, yeah, I'll fight a, I'll fight a weight division up because I believe Scott Coker has a plan. He has a roadmap. When we spoke, like, there is a vision, there is a vision of the future, and I'm in it. Right. And I've been saying this for a long time, man. This... I don't know how long this window is, is going to be open because it, it seems like, I mean, like I said, the UFC, they, they do put on good fights, but they're on the side of just so many shenanigans. Man, this is Bellator's time. Like, <laughs> take advantage while this window is open to build something legitimate that, you know, people can look at and see like, oh, there's a structure here. Yeah. Like, it's not just we pick this guy and we hope, you know, we throw all our money at him and hope he pans out. And then if he doesn't, we just pick somebody else. Yeah. Like, 
Bellator, Bellator has been doing the right thing with their prospects. They have been doing the right thing with their young guys. Like, it, it took me a long time to get this because I was like, oh, the, Bellator's not buying any, uh, buying into any prospects. Oh, Bellator's buying into guys who are coming in, but they're going to be like three or four years out before like they get interesting. Right. But I still tune in to go see Ed Ruth and um, Tyrell Fortune and uh, Steve. Oh, God, I can't even pronounce this man's name. Uh, Steve uh, Kozaka, like that lightweight who just got that 36 second KO. Mm. Uh, like, I'm going to tune in when Dylan Danis makes his MMA debut. I'm going to tune in when um, Valerie Letourneau or Illumine McFarlane are fighting. Because Bellator has built them and made them into people I want to see, and that's and that's being a promoter. And I get Dana's doing this on a scale where like, oh, casual fans don't care about X, Y, and Z. But this is how you lose your fan base. Yeah, I was gonna say like you can say they don't care, but at this because they're, point, they're it's trying to sell like... to like the casual, but like at the same end, like there's a reason like the W like. Again, I'm gonna go back to pro wrestling. Like WCW fans were wrestling fans, but when the uh, the WWE bought the uh, Nitro, they never came back. They just left wrestling. So, like, why are we actively uh, like undercutting our audience? I'm interested to see. I don't know when it'll happen. Like, I feel like there's, there's gonna have to be a point where this all blows up. Yeah, like, I don't know I, I what don't, I don't it, know who it takes leaving. I don't know if it happens like if Connor, like I said, if Connor leaves, like they have nothing. They have nobody who can sell pay per views. Maybe John Jones, but again, I'm not even sure John Jones is going to fight again at this right. point. Yeah, that's still as much as we want to see him back. That's still uh, up in the yeah, air. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they, they gave him the day, July 30th, UFC whatever title fight. He's not going to be in the main event because, like I said, they can't trust him in the main event. So, like, I I don't know what the future is. I don't know what the roadmap is. I like, oh my god, we even talk about we, like we talked about Amanda Nunes and uh, Valentina Shevchenko finally getting a date. Like, then the way, I don't know what the opposite of promotion is. Right, but he doesn't with Nunes. But with Dan, <laughs> yeah. Like not even just ignoring her, like not even just ignoring her in the build up to the Rousey fight, but going at going up to the podium afterwards and defending, not advertising his champion by saying, "I could have invested a hundred million dollars into a Amanda Nunes promotion, and and, and nobody, nobody would have known." One, yeah. one that's asinine. Two, why? Why would you say something like that? She just knocked out your two. She has just, yeah. She just, oh my god. Yeah, like, and if people she like if you didn't pay attention, the two most popular women, right? In the sport. And these weren't like these were brutal finishes. Yeah, like she, she destroyed she, these people. She, she dropped and subbed Tate, and then she murdered Rousey. Rousey. <laughs> you want that? Like, and no, I get, I get that. You know, trying to sell um, Ronda Rousey, you know, blonde white girl dominating and, you know, martial art that uh, exotic martial art or whatever, like judo, is an easier sell than immigrant LGBT community member 
Amanda Nunes, but there's still a story there. There's right. still an audience for that. Like it's not rocket science. Right. And like there's an audience and then there's the product. Like when they watch her fights, they're gonna know why she was hyped up so much. Yes. Like she's gonna go in and she's gonna perform. She, she's gonna kill somebody. Like <laughs> that's what she does. She kills people. And, and you know like, what? The, I, I bet you that the build up for uh, Shevchenko Nunez is going to have a lot of new, uh, Shevchenko's dancing. Like her her dancing on Peruvian TV. Like the fact that she shoots guns in like freaking like. In dre- they're, they're gonna have like a fo- like the photo of her like shooting guns and dresses up there, with like her sister. And it's going to focus solely on like aesthetics and not so much on the fact that Nunes is like this interesting person. And it, it's going to kill me a little bit inside. Where, where and, 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 com- and coming back to the whole boxing thing, like boxing's boom and bust, just like MMA is. And it doesn't have like the safety of be- having a promotion like the UFC where, oh, um, maybe I don't care about fighter X and fighter Y, or maybe I'm not investing enough to spend money in seeing fighter X and fighter Y on pay-per-view. But um, you know, the UFC brand is something I can get behind. It also lets fighters control their narratives a lot better. Right. Like, yes. like the sport of boxing, if you are a character in the sport of boxing... You are an individual. You're you're not a, a product of a, a system. Um, not a system, product of a system. What am I talking about? You are not a face in the crowd. Yeah. Meanwhile, in the UFC, it's like you're. And, and, uh, it's so. And this is a system of what people have. People wanted with boxing. Like they want a system where like, oh, the best fight the best. Blah blah blah. But like. We're seeing so quickly what happens when that system is undercut with the motivation of making money. Right. And it's like, maybe it works for a little bit, you know. All right, you get a few, I won't call them freak fights, but, you know, you, you get your, your special attention fights, the ones that you know are going to rake in, you know, just boatloads of cash or whatever. But, like, those run out, and they run out fairly fast. Like, you can't. Like, yeah. You can't reproduce those over and over Like I said, again. when Silva and GSP and Connor decide, oh, I'm done with this fighting thing for now, what happens? Does WME care enough to, like, reinvest in this thing? Do the Fertitas be like, oh, we sold it for $4.2 billion. Let's buy it back now for, like, <laughs> a quarter of that. They're going in. I thought I read something like they're going in. Are they going into football now? Uh, they're, they're, uh, last I read about them, they were... They started like a five hundred million dollar investment firm. I know they want to get into football. Like their goal, their dream is to build like an LA team and have his and have um Lorenzo son play like quarterback. He's not that good. <laughs> he played on the same. Well, he played on the same team that Snoop Dogg's kid did in college, um, in high school. But yeah, like no. But LA is getting a football team, so they no the Vegas. They want Vegas yeah. to have a team. I'm pretty sure that won't be too far off. Like, I, think they, I, think, I think they just voted to uh, for that to happen. I'm not 100% yeah. sure. So, they're, yeah, they're probably going to be but, out of the MMA door. Yeah, I don't think they're... Like, yeah. They're, they're, yeah, they're not coming back. Like, and another thing, Joe Silva, 
from what I understand, like Joe Silva was somebody the Fertitas and Dana wanted there. So his opinion really mattered. I'm not sure. Like the, and he, and when he, they tried, like, I think right now we're seeing what happens when Dana really steers the ship and like, it, there's no way there to tell him no, or, you know, calm down or do we have to stick with the, we have to stick with the game plan. Cause, and they're, they're like really competing narratives on this. Like some people, like some people at the UFC are saying, Oh, Dana's really the only one in charge anymore. Like the WME guys are not over his shoulder. And then they're like, Oh no, WME has been hands on with everything. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, like it's, it's insane. Yeah. It's, at least we got UFC 211 to look forward to. Yeah, like the, and that's, <laughs> and that's a, and that's a shameful part. Cause Is that, this, this, this card, card should be all over TV. Like, should, should be like, there, there's a guy who should be promoted. Steve Mayochis is a firefighting paramedic who in his free time is the UFC heavyweight champion of the world and the baddest man on the planet. Right. Like, knocking people out. Cold. <laughs> just like... <laughs> yeah, like, this just guy, your this average blue-collar dude who just happens to... And freaking, like, doing, like, your... your um. Hey, hey, he's a funny guy. Like, you follow him on Twitter. Like, he, he's a stitch, like... He should be doing like the late night shows and all that other good shit. And the UFC has the connections to make this happen. And he sounds like Teddy from Bob's Burgers. Yeah. <laughs> he sounds. Just, he, he sounds just like Teddy from Bob's Burgers. He's building, he built his hype, like the Cleveland hype. Like that was real. Right. And yeah, make no mistake. I mean, I get it. I know probably more people and numbers maybe watch basketball than the UFC. He started the Cleveland resurgence. Yeah. He got the belt before was, when they when they had the championship <laughs> parade. Like he he was leading, right? It, he was he got to lead and he got to like hold the trophy and oh, oh my gosh, like yeah, like he was that guy. And like the rest of this card is is amazing. just like crazy. Jacek versus Andrade, um, Masvidal versus uh, and Maya, Maya, Frankie and Yair, which. That's, I've, I've never been more. I haven't been more interested in a fight. Like, Sahudo Pettis, Alvarez Poirier, Chaz Kelly, and Jason Knight. Those last two aren't even on the pay per view. Like, that's how good this card is. Right. Like, Jason Knight versus Chaz Kelly, low key might be might steal away by the night from um, NJ Chikandraj. Or JDS Stipe, because that first fight was like a like a, a slot, yeah, just like a underrated classic. Like I I don't know, like uh, yeah, th this card should be all over TV. Like this is on paper card of the year material. Like it it, it can't it doesn't get a, a from top to bottom in terms of quality. It, it doesn't you can't get much better than this. And, and there's stuff to sell to casual people. Like I said, I, I think the USC is missing the boat on Stipe. This is a dude, dude, he's a firefighting paramedic who's a UFC champion in his free time, who also, when he gets a chance, goes to the Cleveland Indians AM for batting practice and just knocks home runs out the park. <laughs> it's 
sure, it's like a it's like a blue collar superhero. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is a dude who passed up being a major league baseball player to be an MMA fighter. Who, who, by the way, was also who also happened to be a D one, uh, you know, wrestler and a Cleveland Golden Gloves champion. Like, there's so much there to talk about. Right. And it, it kind of sucks that we know for a fact UFC 211 is probably going to do like 200,000, 250,000 buys. Right. But huh. we are in a time of higher highs and lower lows, and it's right. I <laughs> the middle, and it's really sad. It's so it's so confusing. Just it's interesting, but I feel like it's not in a good way. Like. I'm waiting for the explode. Like I'm waiting for this to just blow up one day. I'm just I'm waiting for that one headline that, and I, I don't know what it's gonna be, but Conor McGregor retired from MMA. All right, Bruce and then like everybody ACL for like a fourth time. <laughs> everybody in the the WME office and Dana just walk out, and everything just closes down, and yeah, nobody cares about any other, you know. Alistair Overeem to Ryzen. <laughs> dude, like, dude! Imagine if these, like, imagine if Ryzen had the UFC's heavyweight division. Man, there'd be shenanigans all over the place. You know what I think is gonna happen eventually? I feel like we're gonna start seeing like an exodus. Oh, absolutely! Like, people are just gonna, and it's gonna. Ha- I think it's gonna happen relatively fast. I, I'm not like, sure if it's gonna be from the top down or from the middle, like from the bottom out. But people will leave. Yeah, and and maybe that's good for the sport. Maybe it does. Maybe it helps like the um the local interest because I'm not sure if you saw this. I posted an article from um where was it? Crap, 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 crap. Uh, oh, here we go. For I think it was from Junkie. Yeah, from Junkie. Uh, for regional promoters, finding fighters who sell tickets might be more important than scouting future champions. And. A lot of these guys do get like a boost from being in the UFC locally, like from following. Right, because that's something. Right, that's something easily you can sell. Yeah, and you can bring it home, and maybe that helps promoters. Maybe like, maybe we see a um, a return of like the regional promotion as a actual thing. Right. I, I I don't know. I'm just hoping for the best. One can only hope. <laughs> One can. Can only hope, but you know, I'll still be there watching the fights, just praying that this all doesn't blow up one day. But I, I know it's it's got to be it's around. The I, 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 they don't... See, I don't think it's gonna blow up on them. I think they're just gonna have one day have the rug pulled from underneath their feet. Like that, I really don't think WME like expected to be in this position. Where like, oh wait, the fighters aren't happy. Oh wait, um. What do you mean our best fighter, like our second biggest star, isn't coming back? Right. <laughs> oh wait, what do you? Uh, what do you mean we're not going to get five hundred million dollars like we thought we would on these TV rights? Instead, we're going to get like two hundred million. I think they treated this like it was. Well, here, like it, like like fighting isn't a real, like I don't know. Like, like here's the thing though, like what type of bit? I I think they'll get it from this perspective. What type of sports? 
owner wouldn't want a team where they didn't have a union. You know what I mean? Right. Like, oh my God, we're the only game in town and these players aren't organized? Like, ka-ching? Because <laughs> at the end of the day, I think WME will make their money. It probably won't be the money they wanted to make. And, uh, but in the process of doing so, they're going to lose a lot of talent and maybe that talent goes somewhere else and somebody else can find something special to sell to people for that WME and their, because I think that happens a lot. Like I think in the, um, the the UFC machine, uh, we, we, uh, we pass up on guys who could have been draws because, you know, again, facing the crowd, the UFC's focus on selling Paige Van Zandt and Sage Norka and Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey, that they're not looking at Lorenz Larkin as somebody they can sell. And, and maybe Scott Coker can find some, uh, somebody to sell him to. So who knows? I was trying to find, actually, real quick. I can't remember. I think they posted it. The numbers that Strauss and um, Pitbull did. Like what was the peak? The peak was just over a million, like a hundred and fifty thousand. A hundred and a hundred and one thousand uh what crap, what am I saying? One hundred one million fifty thousand, yeah. Hmm. Like something like that. Like the average was in the eight hundreds, I think. Or seven hundreds. Seven hundred thousands. Oh. Hey Scott Coker, man. Take the takeover time is now. <laughs> Whatever, whatever, whatever chess pieces you can move, get, get them ready. Because I think eventually people will, even a casual, uh, I would like to hope, eventually will wake up to it. Because like, I, I think one thing I feel like in American sports culture, people like the integrity of their sport. I think people... A little bit. Yeah. Like... It, it it takes a while for I, I think for people to like catch on. I think to when I, I think people like it when there is a um when they know what they're watching. I guess. Right. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. Well, that's kind of what I meant. Whether yeah. that be Kimbo versus Dada, just uh, like Kimbo versus Dada, um, old man Hoist versus uh, whatever. Shamrock. Shamrock. Gracie versus Shamrock or. Um, Whatever, like, if you sell the audience on freak show fight, they're they're going to tune in for a freak show fight. If you show the audience best versus the best, and that's your mantra, and you don't deliver that, you know what are you really selling? Like the audience, yeah. the audience is stupid. And maybe maybe you pop a buy rate, but like, like we know, like we know what's happening. Yeah. So, you know. Got, we'll see. That guy, we just it, talked about that for like 30 minutes. We did. <laughs> and that, it was, it was, you know, it was, it was needed though. Sport is, uh, like I said, interesting times to, to say the least. Um, I'm having flashbacks. Guess... Do you remember that card at Uriah Faber Fond where like you, uh, Dana went up to the podium after the card and just like lambasted everybody and just like hung them out to dry because it was so boring? Did he main event? What card was? I have no idea what it was, but I'm about to look it up. He really does have a 
terrible history of doing that. Yeah. Just like <laughs> you you can't, you can't just throw your fighters just I mean he can. I mean like you can't yeah, you cuz he does yeah. cuz he does. Cuz he does it all the time. <laughs> but yeah, I just got to imagine like if you're a younger fighter and you're, you know, maybe you're you're in like a LFA or you're in like a Bama and you're looking to make that next jump like I feel like now when you look at the UFC, sure. That's the thing, and that's the thing. These fighters talk, like especially right. in the gym. If if you're a two and zero prospect at um, I don't know um, where's your uh, where's your Oral Romero train like ATT, I think. Yeah. If you're a two and zero prospect at um, ATT and you train with your Oral Romero, and you're talking and you see him struggle to not only get a title fight. To get like a Andrew, a fight with Anderson Silva to get something substantive, after all the work he's put in, realizing that he has such a small window to actually make like significant money in this sport, because that's what this really is. At the end of the day, like you get the title to make the money, and um, and you see that like do you, do you just look and be like, okay, this might not be the best road for me in the future. Right. But there are enough guys who still think, uh, who still, uh, I don't want to say still think, because it's, kind of, it's still mostly true. Like, not even mostly. It's still vast, like, vast majority true that, like, the best fighters are in the UFC. But, yeah, but no matter what shenanigans they pull, the UFC just has that, that pull. Yeah. Kind of like, it's it's the name, you know. Yeah. You can't, you can't really escape that. But, yeah, if they... They stay on what they're doing, man. We're gonna see some. Something, something's gonna happen, and hey, we'll be there. To Eventually, cover it. somebody of value will wisen up. Right, and they'll leave, and it'll, you know, I don't want to see a train wreck, but it, it could happen. <laughs> we, 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 we might see a train wreck. If not a train wreck, um, a restructuring of what, what's happening. Right. Who knows? Maybe maybe that'll be what the UFC needs to kind of get things back to being more legitimate. You know, sometimes you gotta I really think, destroy before you can rebuild. I, think, I really think this is a product of um, the UFC just not being able to create their own stars. Like Ronda and Connor, um, Ronda, uh, Ronda, Connor and Ronda, you know, to the side. If um. If the UFC was able to maximize the value of like the guys who stick around, like Mighty Mouse and uh, Woodley and uh, ch- 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 I'm trying to think. Of, uh, Shoot, to me they missed the they missed it with Robbie. Yeah, if they if they were able to, oh, Robbie was one of those weird dudes who like had weird drawing power. Like I think the Condit fight did like four hundred million, uh, not four hundred million, four hundred thousand. Um, the two, the first, the second Robbie Lawler fight did like four hundred thousand too, and like I think the first one did like three seventy five. Those are good numbers. Like they're not terrific numbers. They're not um like the BJ Penn numbers where he was getting like five to six hundred thousand a fight. But for somebody who doesn't get promoted but, that much, but you know, for, yeah, that and for somebody who um. Uh, not for a time where like the the bottom is probably like a hundred thousand buys, as opposed to back in the day where like there were like like if 
if um if this was 2011 your Demetrius Johnson pay-per-view wouldn't be doing 185,000 it'd be doing like 325,000 you know what i mean right like right. like there'd be a there'd be a higher basement Uh, times is times has changed. Times has changed. <laughs> this is what happens. We have thirteen pay per views a year. Uh, times has <laughs> definitely changed. But um, uh, they they really, from what I understand, they really don't need like that big of a buy rate to turn a profit, especially with what they pay the fighters. So, <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm gonna leave that at that. Yeah. <laughs> A little over an hour, but uh, real quick, I know before we head out, uh, one more fun little, uh, I guess, topic or thing wanted to cover. So a while back, I had a discussion with some friends about who would go on your MMA Mount Rushmore. So I figured, all right, let's just bring this idea to the podcast. Yep. So um, I guess just to... Give a disclaimer. <laughs> Neither one um, of us thought about this very, very. Hard. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. First disclaimer: we probably didn't prepare for this as as good as we could have. It's been a rough uh, week, people. Yeah, man. Jersey's got underwater. Lives. Right. I'm, he's, I'm busy he's learning how to breathe, like grow gills. Like, <laughs> so I can't be expected to do this. Right. He's underwater. And you know we we have lives out outside of you know recording. We got we got obligations and things. I really so. don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, bottom line, yeah, we're not as prepared. Uh, but whatever, we're we're gonna keep the show rolling. Uh, and I'll say second disclaimer, um, at least for mine, um, my Mount Rushmore is not are are not my favorite four fighters. Same I'll repeat that. These are not my favorite four fighters. Uh, uh, third um, disclaimer: I'm not Guzman Burgum. Fuck him. <laughs> he was a he was a KKK member. <laughs> so 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 I immediately object to Mount Rushmore of MMA topic, and I, I I'm just gonna do like four dudes. <laughs> just like the four dudes of MMA. All right, so that's his criteria. Oh, oh my! Well, my criteria really is. Which is which? I I'm going for the analogs, of um of uh, mixed martial arts, for pre, for the presidents on the uh, on Mount Rushmore. All right, so our criteria will vastly be different. Also, I did not put much thought into that. <laughs> hey man, I'm kind of ashamed because I'm technically a historian. <laughs> It's gonna work out. So that's that's uh, that's his criteria. My my criteria, which is very loose, but I, I didn't base it off of necessarily favoritism, just more so a mixture of influence. People that who, when I saw, they made me want to keep watching, and I guess people that I have like a, a pretty high respect for, you know, in, in inside of the the cage or the ring or where wherever they may have fought. So yeah. Uh so who who you want you wanna go first or you want me to leave this? Um back? I guess I'll go first. So right. I, I think it's pretty obvious who my George Washington is. It it, it it's the man in, in the pajamas. 
<laughs> Hoist. It, it, it has to be Hoist because I, I should probably I should probably put uh, mention this. I'm going with just North American MMA, and by North American I mean America. Fuck Canada. Um, <laughs> but I shouldn't say that because yeah, no, that's later. But yeah, Royce number one. Uh, he's my George Washington. It, the, he started the UFC. He, he didn't start it, but he won the first UFC. He introduced jiu-jitsu to all these people. And, um, yeah, so it, it seems pretty obvious. Oh, we're going we're gonna to trade? Uh, yeah. Oh, you want me to go okay. down my list? Because I'm still, I'm still debating who Jefferson's going to be. All right, we'll, we'll trade. So I'll give you a little bit of time. All right, so uh, first person on my Mount Rushmore... And I picked him because he was the first person that popped in my head when I even thought of doing this topic. So my first is Kid Yamamoto. Um, he was one. He was one of the earliest people like I remember just even watching fight. And like when I first started watching MMA, most of the fights I watched were, you know, Japanese guys just slugging it out. And I was really young, so I didn't know a lot of their names. I just, you know. Hey, these Japanese guys are fighting. They're really good. Let's watch. <laughs> so later on, I had to research and find out that one of the guys I was watching was Kid Yamamoto. And he was just this really small, super athletic dude who was just knocking people out cold. And whether he won or lost a fight, his fights to me were just always crazy entertaining. And... Yeah, man. Kid Kid was probably, like, my favorite Japanese fighter, like, ever. So, and he's uh, the reason that I hate Mighty Mouse, because Mighty Mouse beat him. Yeah. That's another another story for another day, but, yeah. So, Kid Kid is my first Mount uh, Rushmore representative. All right. So, you go second now. All right. Because I'm I'm changing the rules. (laughs) All right. Uh, second on my Mount Rushmore, um, it wasn't too hard to get him on there. Chuck Liddell is second on my Mount Rushmore. Um, probably, I probably kind of started, I'm going to say, I guess semi-regularly watching MMA, probably around like early teens, and I was not a Tito Ortiz fan, so I love Chuck Liddell because he always just beat the crap out of Tito Mm -hmm. it seemed like (laughs) so but like Chuck was just one of those dudes like you look at his physique he's not like physically the scariest looking guy like he's not running around with like an eight pack he's not like super jacked but he was just knocking people out just cold just every Iceman fight to me was just I had to watch because I knew hands were gonna fly and whether he lost or won, kind of like Kid, man, it was he was just one of those dudes. It was so entertaining to to watch him fight, and then him beating Tito mercilessly was just icing on the cake. <clears throat> like, and he had a mohawk. Yeah, like he he was he was a bad man, man. Like Chuck Liddell, I, I'm pretty sure he's probably my favorite light heavyweight of all time. It would be John Jones, but John Jones is. Whatever. John Jones is John Jones. He he does other stuff that I don't know. Whatever. I'm not even gonna <laughs> get into it. But yeah, Liddell man, Liddell was awesome. Liddell was just one of those dudes in that that era of UFC, like around that time when the UFC was 
get getting some buzz, like he was easily my favorite person to watch. All right. I gotta keep going. All right. Um so the Thomas Jefferson of my Mount Rush my Mount Rushmore is not a fighter. Yeah, there are literally only two people (laughs) who I'd pick. One is Mark Ratner, who was very um very influential. He was the Nevada State Athletic Commissioner. He is I want to say the architect of like the unified rule system, but uh, uh, he is amongst its most biggest influencers. And the other one's gonna throw you out for a loop. Is John McCain. The Maverick. <laughs> because without John McCain, MMA would still probably be uh, two guys fighting gloveless in a cage and kicking each other in the dick. For historical context, can you elaborate on that just a little bit? Um, No. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Thomas Jefferson... <laughs> Uh, Declaration of Independence officially um, well not officially but it, it was a declaration of think that things were changing alright uh, gosh I should have thought this through more no you're doing alright no I'm not um, they, get the, they get the gist yeah so, uh, so in the most abstract of ways that's Mark Ratner and or John McCain so my theory is if we're doing the Mount Rushmore we're going to split John McCain and uh, Mark Ratner in half. <laughs> we can have John McCain's chin and the rest of Mark Ratner's face. All right. <laughs> I'll accept that. <laughs> that works. Um, all right. So you've done two. All right. You've done like one and a half, two. That is two and a half, my friend. All right. You got a fusion. <laughs> so, all right. Number three. All right, so three for me. This was hard. Um, I'm, I'm switching out at the very last moment. I feel like I want to piss people off. Wait, Dan White. <laughs> you know what? Pissing people off. All right, so before I do number three, honorable mention. Wait, McKenzie. <laughs> he should be. His shorts should just be. <laughs> His shorts should just cover him out, Rushmore. Much like Teddy Roosevelt, Cody McKenzie <laughs> also wear basketball shorts in his fights. <laughs> so, honorable mention about Rushmore, Jose Aldo. I feel like I shouldn't have to explain that. Um, if you've been watching Jose since uh, WEC, you you know. Like, you, you know. God, I'm not even going to elaborate. And if you haven't done your homework, you know, shame on you. But, He's going to be honorable mention in the spirit of pissing people off. Number three, Mount Rushmore. Uh, your favorite middleweight champion, Michael Bisbing, who everybody hates. And I'm, I'm one of two people in America who seems to be a fan of his. <laughs> um, I'm going to throw him on there just off of the merit of ever since I've watched him. He, he he was back when I actually used to watch The Ultimate Fighter, like back when that show actually somewhat held my attention. Mm-hmm. He was one of those dudes who, not the most athletic, not the most technically skilled, but still managed to stay relevant, you know, 
pretty much throughout his entire career. Sure, it took him a while to win the big fight, but like he always managed to keep himself in a mix. Like he was always at the cusp. You know, he he was knocking on the door for the longest time. And to be honest, after the Chael Sonnen loss, I I never I didn't think he was gonna. I thought that was it. Like I I thought he wasn't gonna come close to any more title shots. But he lucked out. He has some. Chris he did. Chris Wyman got hurt. He lucked out. Yeah, he he found his way to the top of the mountain. Say what you want about his defenses, he made it there. So like I, I have a lot of I have a lot of respect for that dude. Like he he I feel like he fights people who I, I guess you could say are like more talented, like physically gifted than him, and he finds ways to stay in the fight. And dude is tough as nails, man. Like cardio just machine somehow he never stops so yeah i know everyone hates me i don't care michael bisbing he's on the mount rushmore i just realized that more than george washington royce is more like thomas Paine. <laughs> so you got you got your other my uh teddy roosevelt yeah who, who, who's teddy um you know i'm gonna go with gsp Contemporary man who led a change in MMA in the way that fighters approach fights. Um, he's arguably one of the greatest of all time. I would not argue the same for Teddy Roosevelt, but <laughs> um, but I, I, I'm kind of a dick. Yeah, well, he did make the park system, but he was a racialist. See, that's yeah. a deal breaker for me. <laughs> <laughs> It's hard to find um, who wasn't much, back then. Much like Teddy Roosevelt, GSP fought through polio. I don't know if that's true, but but he was a garbage man. So there's that. Um, what else? Uh, God, yeah, because cont- contemporarily speaking, we found out that. Uh, but what 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 was Roosevelt like? Twelve, thirteen years before um they started building Mount Rushmore. Yeah. So you're the historian. So he, I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> Just, I'm not a U.S. historian. I'm a Bergen County historian. <laughs> um. But uh, yeah. No. So uh, he is the contemporary figure on this list. Contemporary being a loosely fitting word, because Roosevelt was contemporary on the uh, Mount Rushmore. I'm sure he was happy to be next to Washington and Jefferson and Lincoln. So, um, yeah, like I was saying, like Roosevelt led this whole new era into the ninth, uh, to the twentieth century. A different time, we were adding states, blah blah blah, and GSP, I think, parallels that in the way that he led a new. I don't want to say not coalition, but like. How his legacy will last over the next generation of fighters, I guess, because a lot of what Rose, a lot of Roosevelt's, um, like I said, he, a, a lot of Roosevelt's aims and like his progressivism for his time, anyway, did stick around for a very long time. Like I said, we still have the park system dedicate uh, that he started, and uh, I feel like. GSP represents that in a lot of ways where he is a 
yeah, like, yeah, like he 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 was a very new. He's an innovative guy. Right, I can definitely, definitely agree with that. So I I hate my pink my pick for Lincoln, but I have to pick him. <laughs> All right, go ahead. I'm gonna let you. I'll let you do this one, and I'll do my last one. Do you know who it is? Actually, no, 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 no. Actually, you know what? Because I feel like yours is gonna be better than mine. No, no, no. It, so. it, 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 it's obvious and sad at the same time. Uh, are you gonna do what I think you're gonna do? I mean, probably. Okay. I feel it. You have, you have a bald head. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Go ahead, give, give, give him a speech. Give him... <laughs> All right, let's start off with, I am not a big fan of this, of Tito <laughs> But, and again, all of these analogs are in the widest possible, like, like, if this, if these, if these, if Mount Rush, this, my Mount Rushmore was a person, and you were comparing him to another person, like the only thing that they would have similar is like they they're the same height. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. They, they are only the same in the, in the in the fact that they are a person. So, why does Tito get to be Lincoln? <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because during the UFC's darkest times. Tito was the man who carried the torch. He did. And, and he, he yeah. held it down. And while we don't remember him as fondly as we do Lincoln, because uh, Tito's kind of like a running joke. He was that guy. He, he was that guy. He was that guy. When that held things together when everything was going wrong. Yeah. I now give him that. As much as I was not a Tito fan. As much as, as I am not a Tito fan. Right. <laughs> He was that guy for a period of time, and, and he, he yeah. was cool. Yeah, and uh, and he's, he wasn't a bad fighter. He was a good fighter. I just just didn't uh, like. Let him. me Google if Lincoln had a crack skull. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had a hole in his head, so like, yeah, they're the hey, same. They're basically the same. Yeah, that's close enough. Crack <laughs> skull. I'm not. I'm not mad at that. Oh my god! Yeah, that. Did he? Maybe. I feel like at one point... I feel like, I, that, that I feel like this is a, like a real thing that happened. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm imagining it in my head to make my pick seem more realistic. <laughs> um, oh my god. Fracture of skull and injury brain. Injury of the brain in boyhood. Uh, we have a historical connection. <laughs> they are both one and the same. They're the same person. You heard it here first. Yep. Abraham Lincoln is in fact Tito Ortiz. <laughs> We've had a Mexican president. Right. <laughs> oh man. All right. I'm not. I'm, I'm not mad what's at that. 18, what's the 19th century like parallel to a porn star? What, they, what would you call them back then? Because that wasn't really like a thing. But I, I mean, I mean, you still, I mean, you still have like like brothels and stuff I mean, like that. Yeah, was we still have hookers now, but I wouldn't call Jenna yeah. Jameson the hooker. 
Right. Like, did they? Yeah, I don't did, know. Did 19th century have like, um, was it like was it like silent porn? Was that a <laughs> was that was that a thing? I don't know. I don't know. Like, I was thinking more like, did people just pay like to watch people have sex? Like, you just go to some guy's house and he's like, hey. You... Um, you uh, you can pay fifty dollars. There had to been some shady black market like. <laughs> I'm pretty sure somebody was. Yeah, that was a thing. I, I would bet money Ma- that that Mary Todd Lincoln was a showgirl. <laughs> you heard it here first. Hey, historical news, MMA news, got it all all under one roof. So, since you picked George Saint Pierre, who was going to be my fourth pick. In the spirit of not doubling up on the same person. ESP freed the slaves. Just saying. Right. <laughs> I'm going to switch my last pick out. It was going to be DSP. Um, my fourth uh, person on Mount Rushmore is going to be the gentleman fighting this weekend, uh, Junior Dos Santos. So I'm just going to run down this resume of victims real quick. Uh, Fabricio Verdum, Stefan Struve, Co-Cop, Gilbert Ivel, Gabriel Gonzaga, Roy Nelson... Shane Carwin, Cain Velasquez, Frank Mir, Mark Hunt, Stipe, and Ben Rothwell. Cain Velasquez believes the state's rights. I'm just saying. (laughs) And let's keep in mind, these wins were not close. Most of them, from from my memory. These were mostly savage, one-sided KOs, TKOs, or in case of Roy Nelson, somehow surviving... uh, Three rounds of just. I think the closest fight you named out of all of those was basically the Hunt fight. Probably Hunt and Stipe. Uh, oh, did he beat? Did he win that? Oh, yeah, he did win that fight. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. The, those don't are lost. probably the closest two. No, no, he beat Stipe. Yeah. So, like, and I mean, from my memory of that fight, it was it was one of those fights that was close, but to me, like it was clear who won. Yeah. But Stipe definitely had moments. But I think JDS was just a little faster with the hands. A little. I, I remember just... it being Stipe won the first two rounds, and then like he either gassed or J or JDS woke up because he just kind of looked sluggish in the first two rounds, and then yeah. and then he just like kind of beat up on Stipe for three rounds. Yeah, he turned it on. Yeah. So, yeah, just based off a of resume, and he's probably, he's probably, I don't say my all-time favorite heavyweight. But he's up there. So are you saying is JDS uh, has a resume that's uh, equal to Abraham Lincoln? Yeah, I mean, I think I think they're close. I feel, I feel, I feel like they're <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I feel, I feel, if if JDS gets this belt back this weekend or next weekend, rather, I should say. I think I think they're on equal footing. It's really telling that I don't like any of the people on my Mount Rushmore except for GSP. <laughs> so I feel like Thomas Jefferson was a little less spineless than John McCain. Might have undersold him there. <laughs> so yeah, I think JDS has accomplished just as much as Lincoln. He's almost there. He gets the if he gets the belt back, they're equal footing. Or he surpassed. Him. GDS was actually the Abraham Lincoln Brazil. <laughs> right. I didn't know that. Hey. Oh my God! J- I have this King of King of the Hill episode running in the background. And there's a flood in it too. Oh it's man! Magical. 
Yeah, it's the same way the Simpsons predict King of the Hill is. Uh... King of the Hill. <laughs> the way the Simpsons predicts politics and social changes in the world, King of the Hill does the weather. Yeah. Propane gang, all day. Uh. <laughs> all right. Well, we are closing in on a little over hour thirty. Um, any pardon shots, shout outs, recognition, anybody you want to want to shine some light on? Uh, I got three, I guess. All and right. they're all lady boxers. Shouts to Katie Taylor who fought on the undercard for um Joshua Klitschko. She beat the girl she was fighting by the via seventh round TKO or KO, I can't even remember. And it guaranteed her a title fight in her next bout. Not one of those fake titles like, you know, the NABF Intercontinental Budweiser sponsored title, but like the like the actual like world heavyweight cha- world championship. Uh, she's fighting this Arge- she the the holder of the bell is some this Argentinian woman whose name escapes me right now. Um, shouts to her. Shouts to Marlon Esparza, who by the time y'all hear this probably will have fought already. She's having her second pro fight. She's the 2012 U.S. Olympic bronze medalist, first woman to ever win a medal to medal for the United States. She is fighting on the Canelo Chavez Jr. card tomorrow, I believe. And shouts to Clarissa Shields, who got her third pro fight book today. It's going to be like June 16th, I think. Let me just make 100% sure. It's right here. Uh, Definitely got to watch that. I'm not sure if it's going to be televised. It, 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 it kind of looks like a, it's a Friday night thing. It My might be like Jenny a showbox card. I'm a quilter, and I'm a mother, but, and I'm a grandmother. Um, yeah, she is scheduled for June 16th, Friday. It'll be Mary Rancier, who's like 7, 8, and 1 or whatever. And she's really trying to get that fight with... Uh, Christiana Hammer or Christina Hammer. She wants it this year, and that's awesome to see because I think she can knock her out. Oh, oh you know, while we're here, while I'm talking about the these Olympic gold, um, Olympic champions, medalists, whatever, who are fighting in the pros. Shouts to um Nicole Adams, whose next fight will be a three round, a three minute, three minute round fights, which. Boxing needs so much. Women's boxing needs so much. Because it's, it's ridiculous that they fight too many rounds. Yeah, that's not even enough to, like... <laughs> they fight too you many... You can spend two minutes. They fight too many rounds. You can spend that just circling around. Not just two minute rounds, but they only get ten rounds for championship fights. Yeah, that's not that's not cool. Yeah. So, and Oh, Nicole Adams should be fighting on the 13th, so... I, I guess the week after y'all hear this, or the week, the Saturday after y'all hear this. So yeah, good, good stuff going on. Yeah, shout out to Clarissa Shields. I'm I'm definitely looking. For, I, I hope that fight somehow finds its way online, line at least. So go, everybody go watch T Rex. It's on um, it's on Netflix. Also Barry Jen, uh Barry Jenkins. I think the guy's name is. Uh, the guy who um. Now I don't want to screw up his name because I don't want freaking black Twitter getting after me. Uh, <laughs> Barry Jenkins, yes. The director and writer of Moonlight ha- is writing the first script of a, a movie based on Carson Shields' life. Ah, oh, that's dope. That's, that's a good look. Yep. So, that's a good look. 
Yeah, look up Clarissa Shields if you guys don't know. Like I said, go watch a, is, go watch a documentary about her being the uh, going to the Olympics at seventeen and winning a gold medal and just her life before that, and it's powerful, painful stuff, and it's it, it's extremely topical considering what's happening in Flint, where like they just served what eight thousand like 8,000 uh, eviction letters for people who are visiting Right, for water. people who don't want to pay for, yeah, taint, for water. tainted yeah. water. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's incredibly moving stuff. So go and support. If you're in Detroit, go watch the fight live. Go buy a ticket. Yeah. I guess I got three as well. Um, first shout out, uh, Line Fight 36. Um, this head kick by, all right, I'm going to try not to butcher his name. Lurzilla Chumpentar. Oh, right, right. Probably killed his name. Yeah, the question mark kick. Yeah. Um, he fought Jacob Hepson, who made his debut that fight. Which oh, my God. <laughs> props to him. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think he was a... Re- I think he was... I'm pretty sure he was a replacement. I, I, I hope so, because there's, there's yeah. no way he should be fighting that guy. So... He comes in basically fighting a dude who's fought well over 200 times. Yeah, that that doesn't seem right. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, this fight ended in a spectacular question mark head kick that um, if you haven't seen the highlights of, if I remember, I'll put the link in the description. Um, that was probably one of my favorite KOs in any combat sport this year. Um, so, yeah, check that out. Um, second shout out will go to Tyson Nam uh, for keep, keeping the head kick theme going. Uh, flatlined Ali Bagatinov, former UFC title challenger. Top 10 flyweight. Right, <laughs> top 10 flyweight. Tyson Nam manages to uh, catch some impressive bodies, man. He, he's knocked out Eduardo Dantes and came back against Ali, who Ali was pretty much tooling him most of the fight, and then head kicks happen and life change. And, yeah, Tyson Nam manages to uh, get get a, get another top 10 win. Tyson Nam, <laughs> same amount of top 10 wins as Khabib Nurmagomedov. Hey, man. Fight me. Tyson, Tyson versus the world. Tyson versus Mighty literally, Mouse. Tyson literally, Tyson versus... versus the world. He goes to your country and knocks you out. <laughs> Right. <laughs> In front of your home crowd. Just yeah, man. So <laughs> shout outs to uh to Tyson Nam. And uh third shout out uh it's not even really a shout out. Um, but I just wanted to give a heads up. I will be Alright, so by the time you guys hear this podcast, I I'm not sure if this will be out, but um I'm I'm recording a podcast tomorrow which is Saturday the 6th, which that date will pass by the time you guys have heard this. But, yeah, I'm doing an anime review. I'll be having my first guest. Um, I don't consider you a guest. You're, you're like my podcast roommate. Uh, yeah. So you're, you're like, you're, you're in the house already. Yes. So yeah. I'll be having the first person not in the house. I'm meeting up all uh, your food, bro. Right. <laughs> so we got somebody else uh, who will be entering the household. Also, I sleep uh, naked, just letting you know. Oh boy, I don't think she'll appreciate. Oh, she doesn't know. <laughs> she'll be surprised, you know. But yeah, I got I got, I got a guest coming through tomorrow. We're, we're gonna talk about some anime. We're gonna chop it up for a little bit. Um, I'll be recording that tomorrow, probably around like five something. So right. 
I don't know the order in which I'm going to drop these podcasts. I haven't really thought of that, but, um, bruh, you bruh, know. Bruh, when you get to the first season of Pokemon, I'm your man. <laughs> I know so. Oh, uh, they don't have the old ones on Netflix. Like I know there's Pokemon on Netflix, but I don't know if I think it's... they have the first one. I think it's just, like, is it the first I one? So. I don't know. Hey, because yeah. I would legit go back and watch that. I, did, I, I enjoyed. Did, that. Like, I enjoyed that first season. Pokemon. Um, I'm trying to think of anime I've watched. I haven't watched anime since college. Shit. Oh, I'm man. slacking. You missed out on a lot, man, I've, I've a lot, a lot of good. High school, because I just had no time since college. Oh man, it's a lot of a lot of good stuff. Yeah, never but... seen Attack on Titan. Um, I only kind of seen like Super. You probably seen honestly. You probably seen more than I have. I think I watched the first three episodes, which if you know Dragon Ball Z are all filler, mm-hmm. and I didn't watch anything after that. But that that's that's on my list of next animes to watch. But I have dedication issues. With shows that are like over twenty episodes, so we'll see how that goes. But I'm gonna get around. Bro, to it. when you get to be Bob, let me know. That, ashamedly, is on my list to watch because when I was younger, I used to watch it, but I never watched like the entire, like series. Like I just caught episodes here and there. DVD, I can see it from here. Like the the original one that they released. Yeah, see, I got the movie. Like I've seen the movie a couple of times, but I never watched like. I didn't finish the show. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I should watch that before Dragon Ball Super just to keep Dragon... I keep avoiding Dragon Ball Super. Like, I, it's it's like something. one of those things like you watch and you're like, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. So, uh, yeah, be, be on the lookout for that, man. I'm excited to have a and an outside guest. Uh, hopefully she's not shocked by the nakedness. Yeah. Uh. Um. They never. Are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if she knew me, if she knew me, she it wouldn't be, because I'm very open with my nakedness. If she hears this, I hope she knows. <laughs> it's just a joke. <laughs> I hope she knows. Actually, you know what? Though, to be honest, by the time we record, I probably won't even have edited this podcast up. Oh, oh, so oh, I'll, oh, I'll that could be as vulgar as I freaking want. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I think I'm wearing oh, I'll let her know. Nope. <laughs> I'll let her know. If she does happen to hear his, we're, we're, it's just a joke. I, I definitely want you on this podcast. It's, it's, it's all jokes here. I'm not trying to creep you out. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I just, just got to throw that out there. I can't scare off my first guest before she even enters the door. I mean, is what you, you uh, said I was your roommate, bro. This is what you. Yeah, this did. is what you signed up for. You signed the lease. <laughs> I did. <laughs> but yeah, you guys be on the lookout uh, for that. That'll uh, hopefully these will be coming sometime. Uh, at least by like the middle of of next week. Um, but yeah, so we're about an hour forty something. That's good. We didn't have any fights to talk about, but we still managed to. Damn. Yeah, just, yeah. We still managed to bitch about something. We did. That's what we're doing, MMA. Because there's, there's all, there's not, there's never a shortage of things to complain exactly. about. Exactly. We are entitled uh, to this. We are. We we put in money to these paper. All right, I don't put in money. I stream, but I put in money every now and again. I'm, I'm actually probably gonna put in money for two eleven. I probably. I, will. I, I, I probably will too. Yeah. 
But uh, the whole thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Fucking, you but, want ten dollars uh, for H? You want ten more dollars for HD? Kiss my ass. Hey, stand standard gets the job done for me. Dude, as long as the so, damn thing doesn't freeze like the street, like the streams I actually watch, like, do watch do. Right. Like we'll be good. Right. I'm sick of like I'm, I'm watching okay. the prelims and HD and then watching crap. <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll definitely be be covering that card, so that'll probably be like the next big thing uh we cover. So be on the lookout. Content's coming, things are happening, life is good. It's okay. It's okay. Sorry. It's all right. All right. Take or leave right. it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah, as always, when people are being kicked and or punched in the face, we will be there to talk about it. And we'll catch you guys soon. Hope you guys over until next time.